You are tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network on jmandtheam.org and nachumsiegel.com. Stay tuned for JM Sunday with Matis Weingast.
of Shlomo Kalbach here on a special JM Sunday. Good morning and welcome. This show is uh, hosted by yours truly, Matis Weingast, and uh, I am very happy to be here today with you. I uh, I want to thank Zalman for uh, <laughs> ZK for getting us set up here this morning. Uh, and uh, we are here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Today is Sunday, October 20th, 2013, 16th day in the month of Cheshvan, 5774. For those following Daf Yomi, Pesachim ended yesterday, and today is the first Daf in Shkalim. It's a short, uh, short tractate of Gemara, so if you uh, want to pick up uh, the Daf Yomi, it's a great time to start. The uh, first day is today. It's uh, just 21 days of Shkalim, and uh, that ends on Shabbos, November 9th. Well, as I said, today is a special day here on JM Sunday. We will be broadcasting until 10 a.m. today on the stream as we commemorate the 19th yard site of Rabbi Shlomo Kabach with music, stories, and interviews. We're going to get to the music uh, very, very quickly try to get as much in as possible. The schedule for the morning goes something like this. In just a few minutes, I'll be joined by Dr. Natan Ophir to discuss his new biography called Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach, Life, Mission, and Legacy. We'll have morning chizuk, and in the 7.30 half hour, we'll be joined by Shia Mendlowitz to talk about Shlomo Kalbach. More music, news from Israel at 8 o'clock, and uh, followed by more music, and then at 8.30, we expect to be joined by Shlomo Katz. And uh, also in that second hour, Rabbi Naftali Citrin of the Kalbach Shul in Manhattan. At 9 o'clock this morning, we uh, hope to be joined by Neshama Kalbach, daughter of Shlomo Kalbach, talking about her father's life, his legacy, and her music. And who knows who else is going to show up? <laughs> you never know. So let's go right to the music. Thanks for joining me this morning. Everyone, uh, it's a it's a special day here on JM Sunday, going till uh, ten o'clock, and uh, playing and talking about Shlomo Kabach. So here is another song of Shlomo's. Here is Oji Shama from the Shlomo and Tel Aviv album, right here on JM Sunday. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
This wine guest here with you on the JM Sunday. It's the 20th day in the month of October, 16th day in the month of Cheshvan. And as we continue with our Karlbach special here on JM Sunday, I'm now joined by Rabbi Dr. Natano Fier, 
who is the director of the Jewish Meditation Institute Jerusalem and the author of a soon-to-be-released publication titled Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach, Life, Mission, and Legacy. Dr. Ophir, welcome to JM Sunday and to our Kalbach special. Hello, Mattis. I'm here in Jerusalem. You are there in the place that uh, Shlomo made his, uh, I guess, his first home or his second home, if you will. Well, he had many homes. He used to say that his home was the airport. <laughs> but for a while, indeed, Jerusalem was his home and Moshav Moor Modi'in was his home. In addition to New York and uh, Montreal and uh, other places around the world. Your book is part of a series published by Urim Publications called Modern Jewish Lives. It was originally, you, you did a work in Hebrew as an analysis of the songs of Rav Shlomo, if I'm correct. What inspired you to write this biography in English as part of this series? Well, actually, I began writing this book in Hebrew as part of my help for my son, Menachem Ophir, who had to write a term paper on Rav Shlomo, and he couldn't find any uh, systematic description of the history and the biography of uh, Shlomo. So that's when I began to, to write this book. My son was inspired by Rav Shlomo in 1992 when uh, I introduced him when he was just nine years old to Rav Shlomo. And he became so inspired that recently when he had his second child, his first boy, he called him Hod Shlomo. Named after Shlomo Kalbach, wow. You met him, you said, in the... Uh in the 60s, I believe. Is that right? In 1969, we moved from Philadelphia to Manhattan, and we lived on 81st Street, two blocks away from the Karlebach Shul. And that's when I first met him. Did you have a continuing association with him over the many years? Yes, but not like some of the Hasidim who were really very close to him. Because at that time, I was studying at Yeshiva University, and we just didn't appreciate Rabbi Shlomo the way people appreciate him today. Didn't Shlomo Kabach come to YU and address a group of students? Yes, he came uh, a couple times when I was there. And uh, indeed, I, ha I describe and I have some pictures from these events in my book. Aaron Reichel, he's one of the people who feature prominently in the book. You might know him in New York, Rabbi Dr. Aaron Reichel. Mm -hmm. uh, he brought Rub Shlomo. Uh, to YU and some of the pictures he sent and they're featured in this book and they describe the impression that uh, Shlomo made here. In writing the history of, the, of Shlomo Kabach, the biography, as opposed to the time of your living through it, what did you find was the most fascinating time of his life, in your opinion, now with the... Um you know, with, with viewing this a number of years after he passed away. Well, the fast, most fascinating part depends where you were located, but probably the most colorful part was the House of Love and Prayer in uh, San Francisco in the late 60s, early 70s. And I have two chapters devoted to that. That certainly was the most impressive. It actually was the first real outreach that was done. The term outreach didn't even, even exist, and Shlomo used to joke and say we should do more in-reach, and then he came up with the term wide-reach. Did you have occasion to go over there and see what was no. there? No. <laughs> but I, I met him, of course, uh, in Israel, and, and, uh, and the last time I saw him was in Beit El when he came for a bar mitzvah. And he was rushing to get ready for Shabbat. And I brought my son Menachem to him to get a blessing. And that blessing was so powerful that um, Menachem set up his own Kalibach band, which exists to this 
to this day, Thursday, we had a celebration. There are yard site celebrations throughout the weekend here. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, people came from all over Israel to play together and sing together. And I explained how Menachem had set up this band called Rigaim, where uh, it continues the tradition of Rav Shlomo, like so many of the Karlbach bands today do. It, it is amazing how many uh, shuls have Karlbach minyanim. I'm even astonished because I'm getting letters from all over the world, and now that the book has come out, and telling me, oh, we have our Karlbach minyan in that. In uh, Norway, we have one in Pomona, New York. Uh, they just ordered uh, a dozen copies of the wow. book from all over. So we're putting together now what's called a worldwide communities of uh, Kalabach Hevra. Right. And anyone who's listening here would like to send in the details. We're trying to see where people are located and put everyone in touch. You mentioned that uh, Shlomo was uh, one of the first to uh, coin the term outreach, inreach, wide reach, but we know that he was influenced by the Lubavitcher Rebbe and was very close to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. First Shaliach of the six, together with Reb Zalman, they were the first two Shlichim. They way for all shlichim who came afterwards. It was a new, and when I say shlichim, there were of course shlichim before that, or mishulachim, but not as outreach people. Right. Not to go to the non-religious world, or even the non-Hasidic world. Rukhshlom was first sent to the yeshivot to recruit for the Rebbe there. Right, and that's what I was going to ask you about, because his world, when he came here, I mean, Shlomo Kabach, to go back for a second, was born in Berlin, um, he had, right. had a twin brother, Eli Chaim, and right. um, when he came here to the United States, he was in yeshiva. He received a smicha, I believe, from from uh, Lakewood, and he was Torah Vadas. Well, right? well, we found the shipping records, and we found the existence after my book was published. All kinds of new information then comes out, you know, you know the, the feeling when you sure. the second kind of thing. So somebody <laughs> sent me the actual records, and it turns out that his father, Naftali, came a month before the rest of the family because Shlomo's sister couldn't get out, couldn't get a visa. It was not so easy to get out of uh, Europe at the time. Right. They had fled, and they, and they were in Lithuania, and they managed to get a visa in Kovna. And after they arrived in 1939, so Rav Shlomo and Eli registered in Torah Vadas, where they uh, were studying, and then afterwards he, they went to Lakewood Yeshiva. So how did he then migrate to the Hasidish world? Shlomo always was interested, uh, always felt uh, this pull towards Hasidut already, even when they were in Austria, near Vienna, in Baden. But uh, his brother Eli Chaim went first, kind of, to Chabad. And then Shlomo had to make a decision whether he's going to continue in Lakewood, where he was considered to be one of the leading students. We have some very interesting testimonies about how Ravaron Cutler really uh, appreciated him, and even some people who think that he was meant to be, quote-unquote, the next Godelador there at Lakewood. Uh, but then uh, the, the turning point came when the Rebbe told him, listen, you have to decide which is more important, for you to become a, a Godelador or for you to influence all the lost Jews out there. And he made his decision to become a shaliach for the Rebbe from in the early 50s. In fact, in 1954, this is nobody knew this until very recently. My father discovered records that Rabbi Shlomo came to him in Philadelphia at an ALJS conference as the shaliach of the Rebbe, the Association of Orthodox Jewish Scientists. This is this is a very interesting document which shows 
how Rabbi Shlomo was being sent all around, and he set up an organization called Hasidic Academics at the time. <laughs> I, I don't think that's uh, something that one would, would one would associate back then with uh, somebody coming from the Lakewood Yeshiva. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, he was even studying at Columbia University. Uh, and he studied the psychology and uh, geology and all kinds of interesting subjects there. And he was trying to synthesize the two. He set up the first outreach organization was called Taskeeg. Taste and see that God is good. And that he established out of his father's shul in Manhattan. And he took the group in uh, the early 1950s to visit the Rebbe to get the bracha. And you'll see in the book one of the pictures uh, where now we were able to identify some of the people in this picture from the early 50s and what their experience was. I imagine that as people read this book and see the pictures that are in here and read the stories, like you said, they'll, they'll be in contact with you uh, about people that are in the pictures, stories that they have, uh, and, uh, and, and you're going to have to write a second volume. We have weddings that Shlomo performed that I still haven't been able to identify who's actually in the wedding. These are really interesting events. It turns out a fascinating person who was in touch with so many different people that uh, Rabbi Zalman Shachter Shalomi, mm-hmm. uh, who was the Shaliach yeah, together with Rabbi Shlomo, I had the privilege of being Skyped by him several times. And Rabbi Zalman says, wow, you've discovered things that even I didn't even know about <laughs> Rabbi Shlomo. Interesting. So many people who have records and, and who have videos and pictures. So we're getting to fill in a whole new story, a whole new Shlomo that people didn't know. Right, absolutely. And that's what's so fascinating, even uh, 19 years after his passing. My guest this morning is uh, Dr. Natan Ophir, who has just published uh, a book entitled... Oh, wait, wait. Wait, I should tell you about this. Yes. My name was Offenbacher at the time, and I still use the name Offenbacher. Okay. Uh, I shortened it when I came in Aliyah to Ophir, when I uh, came to Yeshivat Merkaz Arav uh, Cook, and Rav Tzviuda uh, told me that I should uh, shorten it by using the, the term Ophir, preparing for holiness for right. the... For my, in my Aliyah, this was in 1974, but in America, I was known as Offenbacher, and to this day, my parents and my brother, and they still use the name Offenbacher, obviously, and I also use it very often. So I'm joined this morning by Dr. Nathan Ophir, Nathan Offenbacher, who has written this book, Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach, Life, Mission, and Legacy. And this is J.M. Sunday, Matas Weingast with you on the yard site of uh, Shlomo Kabach, the 19th yard site, and it seems like yesterday when he was performing live for so many tens of thousands of people around the world. I want to talk for a minute about his spirituality and tying that into what you just said about the fact that he went to yeshiva, uh, he went to Columbia University, he was very worldly, and it's sometimes people will say that he was in a different world. I'd like to say that he was in the same world as everyone, but he was in all parts of the world. And what he was able to bring out to people through spirituality is what attracted people back to him and back to Judaism. Do you feel that that is the one defining part of what he was able to do is attract people spiritually and and bring them back that way? Well, what you said is very correct. However, it's so difficult to define Rabbi Shlomo. Uh, I have a whole chapter at the end, um, the conclusion, chapter 13, where I try to define who he was, what he meant to different people. And you see uh, multifaceted uh, uh, a- the aspects of Rabbi Shlomo that are so different for different types, whether it was the holy beggars out there in Manhattan, 
or was uh, rabbis that, like the Anshan of Rebbe that he was very close with, or was his Hasidim, people all around the world, or Hadassah women, uh, when he visited the hospitals in, in the Yom Kippur War and the Six-Day War here in Israel. There were different shlomos for different people, actually. Uh, Professor Shalom Magid, uh, Magid uh, phrased it very well with an uh, image that he used, that Shlomo was a mirror for people. They were able to see in it, uh, themselves, but to see the good in themselves. And that was very special, that he found the holiness in everyone and the significance for each individual. Even today, you know, Mattis, if I go to the various yardside programs that we have here in Israel, and we have them all over, <laughs> you'll be amazed at different people uh, view Rabbi Shlomo in so many different ways. For some, he's Rashban, which he's a, a sainted leader, uh, uh, a really Admor type figure. Mm-hmm. For other people, he's the, compo- the greatest composer, the foremost composer of Jewish music in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And they follow his path as musicians. I, I get uh, emails from people around the world who are just playing his music. And even non-Jews found him to be a real inspiration. Uh, well, all kinds of fascinating stories about that as well. Sure, we're going to so be... It's just an incredible way that he was able to influence so many different types of people. Right, we're going to be speaking a little bit later on today with Neshama Kalbach, and uh, that's one of the topics I am going to be discussing with her, is his influence uh, in the non-Jewish circles also. And do you feel it's a crazy phenomenon, if you will, that 19 years after he passed away, his influence seems to be growing more and more. Over the years, It's it's been even more than when he was alive in certain areas. Right, definitely. There are many reasons. Again, I, I try to deal with this at length in my book to try to understand it. And I'm only beginning to understand it. And one of the reasons is because he was over- offering a new type of Judaism, really. A Kalabachian Judaism today, it's even a dating car- category. Do you know that? Sociologically, no. it's become synonymous <laughs> with Judaism that's imbued with spirit, joy, and love, wow. interspersed with individualism. So, on some dating sites, when you need to identify yourself, you can call yourself as a Kalabachian Jew. <laughs> very, very interesting. However, he did say, uh, and I, I think you uh, have it in the, in the book here uh, at some point, when he talked about the spirituality and bringing people back into Judaism, he said, spirituality is important, but you must be a good Jew. So he rooted it into, of course, Judaism as opposed to, you know, some of these other... Um, isms out there and some of these other uh, spiritual endeavors that people go that still aren't rooted in something. He he insisted it must be rooted in Judaism. One of his famous analogies was the words and the melody. He said uh, there in Berkeley in 1967 when he came there, he said the hippies that he met, they know the melody, but they don't know the words. There are many Jews, he said, that uh, are learning in yeshiva, know the words, but they don't know the melody. We have to bring them together, and then we bring Mashiach, when people can actually feel the meaning and the spiritual importance of the words, and not only feel the spirituality and feel the, the melody, but also understand and be able to practice the words. Right. Uh, my guest is Dr. Natan Ophir, and a few more questions before we end up here. Uh, do you feel that um, Sh- Reb Shlomo changed over the decade? It was a different Reb Shlomo, but like many people, he evolved 
through different t- time periods in his life. Right, right. I, I was going to ask just to finish that question. I, it was, did he change over the decades, or did the world change around him, and he adapted his message in a different way depending on the times? I think uh, it's definitely both uh, phenomenon happened simultaneously. He was able to adapt himself. Remember, he he went through a lot of different types of time periods, from Berlin to Vienna to Torvadas and Lakewood and the House of Love and Prayer, etc. And he was able to really understand the zeitgeist of, of each period. We, we could spend hours talking about this. I, I can tell you one thing to our listeners. Uh, if you think you know Shlomo Gabach, trust me, you don't. <laughs> Everybody will get something from this book and learn something, whether it's some of the specifics. I mean, you are so detailed with the timeline, uh, and you have a discography in the back uh, listing in the first uh, five albums, I believe it is. You have a list of, of names of people that you... Uh, you uh, spoke with or, or you know, gleaned information from. Right. There's I interviewed about 220 people, and I really just... Tip uh, of the iceberg. Tip of the there's iceberg, There's so many more out there who, who knew Shlomo intimately and have really fascinating stories. I'm bumping into them all the time. Before I forget, Matthew, yes, I want please. to send my regards to one of the most faithful listeners of, uh, of your program, my aunt, Aunt Caroline who uh, lives in New York in Manhattan, and I discovered after I finished writing the book, she attends uh, Congregation Orachayim. Uh-huh. And I discovered that the Kalabach roots go back to this Congregation Orachayim in two ways. My father told me a story of how he accompanied Rabbi Naftali Kalabach, the father of Rabbi Shlomo, on, Sh- on a Shavuot program around 1947. <laughs> he walked him all the way back from Orachayim to his uh, Manhattan apartment on 79th Street. Uh, <laughs> this was after the early morning Chacharit uh, service in, in Orachayim. And I think that that planted the seeds of my writing this book already then. Wow. <laughs> you never know how, how the world is going to turn and what events will uh, will cause you to end up somewhere. Uh, what is the contact uh, information? Uh, the, the book, by the way, is published by Urim Publications. Uh, it's, avail- it's available now already, correct? People can find Urim or they can write to me at kalabachbook at gmail. One, one final question. Do you feel that Shlomo Kabach was the person that other people wanted him to be or was he the person that he thought he should be? Well, he definitely was the person he thought he should be. But there were times that he had an inner debate. Did I do right? He would ask. Maybe I went too far. He he had a special event of reconciliation with the Haredi world, a special concert. Dov Shurin was involved in that concert. I interviewed him, and he told me about how Rob Shlomo confided in him and said, you know, maybe I went too far at the end of the 60s there in order to be Makari of all these uh, hippies. And so Rob Shlomo was sometimes debating within himself what I should really do. Is my path the correct path? He was very, very much... Uh, Self-analytical. <laughs> Natan Ophir, thank you so much for joining me this morning on JM Sunday. Thank you very much, Mattis. And okay. blessings from Jerusalem. Oh,
7.37 Eastern Time, AM, that is, Eastern Time, here on the JM Sunday, your host, that's me, Matis Weingast, and I'm here for uh, for an extended version of uh, of JM Sunday here on the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsegel.com, jmtheam.org. It is uh, Sunday, the 20th of October, 16th day in the month of Cheshvan, 5774. We are commemorating the 19th yard site of Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach. My thanks to Dr. Natan Ophir for joining me to talk about Rabbi Shlomo and uh, discuss different things from his book, which uh, is available now. And it is called Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach, Life, Mission, and Legacy. It's an Urim publication. So you can get it from uh, Urim. Uh, just check the uh, the website there, and you'll be able to get it. It's so interesting. I learned a lot of things that I did not know, uh, and uh, there's so many fascinating fascinating things. But one thing I didn't realize, uh, small, relative small detail uh, to me, was uh, that Shlomo was actually born four days after my father in 1925. Uh, Shlomo was born in Berlin. My father was born in Newark. But uh, four days apart, it's just uh, very coincidental. Uh, and I remember very well that uh, my first Jewish music concert that I attended was uh, in Elizabeth at the JEC when my parents brought me to see Shlomo Kalbach. He was going to perform on a Motzei Shabbos, and I distinctly remember he showed up about two hours late. I don't know how old I was, uh, six, seven, who knows. And uh, my parents certainly uh, loved, my father loved Shlomo Kabach. My mother still loves him. She, He is her favorite. And uh, I know that affected me in terms of Jewish music from early on, but it was uh, mesmerizing to watch him. I've used that term a few times and um, to describe him. I probably will again. In, we're going to get to morning chizuk in, in just a minute. Uh, running a little bit late, uh, I didn't want to uh, miss. I wanted to get as much as I could from Doctor uh, Ophir. So we're going to get to morning chizuk momentarily, and then uh, Shia Mendelowitz will be joining us. Remember, we're going until nine o'clock, uh, until ten o'clock this morning. We're going through nine o'clock uh, this morning. We just heard Sainai uh, from Shlomo Kabach uh, from one of the early albums, uh, and uh, Shlomo produced about, I think, over 30 albums altogether. I don't, I don't know how many uh, hundreds and hundreds of songs are on those albums, plus others that he uh, wrote, and some of which are, are coming out slowly. There's some found music, if you will, that uh, is uh, slowly being released. A couple of things I wanted to mention. First of all, JM Sunday is brought to you by Adorama. It's located at 42 West 18th Street in New York City. 1-800-223-2500 is the number to call. Adorama is much more than a camera store. The official electronics retailer of the Nachum Siegel Network. For all your electronic needs, including cameras, audiovisual equipment, electronics, portable equipment, iPods, iPads, and much more. Adorama Imaging and Beyond since 1975. Official sponsor of the Nachum Siegel Network. Again, 1-800-223-2500. I also want to let you know that um, in addition to what we are doing here, the the, uh, Maya Not Yeshiva High School is having its open house. That's today in Teaneck for parents of 8th grade girls. So uh, make sure that if you have uh, an 8th grade girl, well, uh, an 8th grade girl, it's high school, and uh, you are thinking of going there, or even if you're not thinking of going there right now and not sure, go there. It's, uh, just go to the open house. You'll find out everything you want to know about it. 
Uh, so Maya Nojishiva High School, open house today in Teaneck for parents of 8th grade girls. I don't have more information about that, but I'm sure if you go to the website or give them a call in um, in Teaneck, you can get all the information that uh, that you need. I want to thank those people that have liked us on Facebook. It's a great way of finding out what's going on and uh, following us as we go through the day and through the week. So uh, our Facebook page is JM Sunday. When you go there, like the page itself so that uh, we continue to get more likes. And I want to say hello to listener Esther, who joins us on the stream and listens every Sunday morning. Much appreciated. If you want to send me an email, feel free to do so. Matis at NachumSiegel.com. M-A-T-T-E-S at NachumSiegel.com. At this time, each and every Sunday through Thursday morning, we present to you Rabbi David Goldwasser, his words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We read in Perkyavos, Benazai Oimer, Boireach Min Ha'avera. A person has to escape and run away from sin. Shemitzugareres mitzvah. One mitzvah leads to another mitzvah. Va'avera, and one sin, Goireres Avera, brings to another sin. Reb Nochem Mordechai of Charkov makes note of the words, the sin. He offers the fascinating insight that every person has his unique nature and his individual weaknesses. An Avera that may attract one person is not necessary as dangerous for another. Therefore, the Tana warns us to run away from that Avera that each person knows is most perilous for him. A Jew once owned an inn on a remote stretch of road between two distant villages. It was patronized by many travelers, Jews and non-Jews alike. For economic reasons, he operated two kitchens, one from which he served kosher food, and the other kitchen where he cooked foods that were not kosher. If someone came in and didn't wash his hands or say brachos, he would know that that patron was not Jewish and would feed to him chazer. When he observed the person washing his hands and making blessings, he would know that that person was Jewish. One day, a traveler stopped in. The innkeeper observed that he didn't wash his hands and he didn't recite any blessings. He inferred that certainly this was a non-Jew and he served him chazer. After he concluded the meal, the man came over to pay his bill. How much do I owe, he asked. The innkeeper said, eight coins. The traveler exclaimed, how could that be? Yesterday I paid ten coins at the other inn. How could it be that your price is that much cheaper? The innkeeper responded, that's what Chazer costs. When the man heard this, he couldn't believe his ears. He was shocked. He said to him, I'm a Jew and I ate Chazer. The innkeeper said, what should I do? I saw that you didn't wash your hands and you didn't say brachos, so I thought you weren't Jewish. This is the explanation of the words, Avera, Goireres Avera. One sin leads to another. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Thank you, Rabbi Goldwasser. It is um, 7.44 in the morning here on... Uh, J.M. Sunday, Mata Swinegast with you, and uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the airwaves the one and only 
Shia Mendlowitz. Good morning, Shia. Good morning, Matis. How are you? Baruch Thanks Hashem. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It's a great honor. It's a great pleasure. Thank you. How are you doing these days? Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Excellent. Coming along. Good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, I want to say at the outset, we could speak for hours about Shlomo Kalbach. We could speak for days about uh, lots of things in Jewish music. But I have to focus today uh, just a few minutes with you uh, this time of day. And to talk about Shlomo, your interaction with him over the years, and uh, get a little bit of your insight. So let me get right into this. First of all, everybody I'm sure knows who you are, but you know, you're a concert promoter and a music producer, and you've been in the music business for a long time, uh, and ha- have seen everything. <laughs> Definitely have seen everything. So tell me, in terms of Shlomo Kabach, when did you first meet Shlomo? I actually met him the first time. Um, it, it would be in 1984. 1984, uh, when I had just gotten married. I got married in '83, and um, I was living in Queens. I had my an office there in Queens, and uh, he he called me uh, to to say that he would like to meet, and. Um, and we 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 actually did a a, a a big concert then, in 1984, and uh, I I knew him also through my father Olasholo. My father knew Shlomo very well. My father was actually one of the first people to meet Shlomo when he came from Vienna with Eli Chaim. Oh, Shalom also, and uh, to Masif to Tarvadas. So my father was a couple of years older than them, uh, but he remembered, they told me he remembered vividly when they when they showed up, two these two young boys showed up in knickers, you know, the way that the, <laughs> sure. the, the boys would would dress there from Europe. And, uh, and just, uh, just a little note that, that, that when my father told me that when he when the two of them showed up, they were skipped like two or three grades within a few month period, because that's how advanced the two of them were in in learning. Hmm. So for them to be, you know, skipped two or three grades in a, in a few month period in in Masifta Taradas was a very very big thing, a very big statement. Absolutely. Uh, so your father knew them. Uh, as you said, he was a little bit older than they were, but he knew them certainly in the formative yeshiva years. Uh, and then after that, they went to uh, Lakewood Yeshiva. Yes, I, I believe. Yeah. I mean, the reason that I also mentioned that was because at the time when I when I met Shlomo in '84, he said to me, "You know, she, I I haven't, I, I didn't uh, see your father, Chvase. I think he says." It was thirty some odd years, thirty seven years, and I would love to be able to to meet him. Could you set up a meeting? Which I subsequently did, and that was, uh, you know, that he, he he came over to my parents' house in Flatbush, and uh, and, and and that's where uh, they, you know, he's had had a dinner with them, and they reminisced, and they caught up on old times. It was it was a, a beautiful that that in itself was a beautiful uh, uh, not moment. It was a beautiful time that that we were able to spend together, and I was able to hear 
all the, the you know all the the stuff that happened in those years. Rebbe Tzion Schenker, uh, was also he. He he was very very close with Shlomo in uh, in the he was in the Sifta Tarvadas at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the, the two of them became very very good friends and stayed in touch till till Shlomo was Nifter. Right. Wow. Now you knew him at a time uh, when he was, I guess, uh, changing over from the from his uh, activities and his work and his outreach as. Uh, as uh, Dr. Ophir had said before, his outreach to uh, people in California. He uh, was in New York, and uh, there was a time period where he was starting to get into the uh, concert scene, if you will, and into the more, uh, I guess, back into the yeshivish uh, group. And you were very uh, helpful with that and, and worked with him. Tell us about that period of time. Well, when he came to meet me, uh, in 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 eighty four, he you know he wanted to do a a nice big big concert and uh, you know and and do do something like a real nice project together. And but at the same time, at that time, he was uh, performing at in these like really really small venues, and he every other night he was. As the, there was a, a place called the Great American Health Bar, <laughs> right. uh, and and he he was performing there, and and you know it, it just you know the, the it, it 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 was like almost like the 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 terminology vachadik it became so like weekday, and it was it was because it was it have it wasn't a unique thing, so I had to come up with a way that I would be able to market it. In order to make it that it would be something special that I was doing, and my approach, what I wanted to do was, you know what? Let me try to do. Being that he was um, so popular, and he went through through Masifta uh, Tarvadas and and Lakewood and Chaim Berlin, and uh, and he was he was very very you know he had a, a lot of lot of friends and connections. In the yeshiva belt from uh, from you know from his early years, so I figured, let me try to do to appeal to an audience that has never got you know never got to see him because um, I, I said you know let, let's try something Shlom let's try to do the first separate seating I think it was the first and only separate seating show that he ever did. And uh, in the March of '84, um, I did a, a show with him at Brooklyn College, which actually came out on a, a, an album. And uh, it was very, very interesting. When when he came out, his look was a lot different than what people were used to seeing him then. Listen, when he went, when he. Uh, when he went to Israel, he his hair was longer, and uh, the, you know, coming I, I guess coming from uh, from L.A. and from San Francisco, from the House of Love and Prayer and everything, then going to Israel, and then going all over Eretz Yisrael and and performing wherever a Jew a Jew was. He didn't have a chance to take a haircut. Let's put it that way. That's, yeah, <laughs> he was. So I mean, we, 
<laughs> Certainly. Right, exactly. <laughs> and in Israel, you know, jackets wa- wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, an obligatory thing and it was it wasn't the uniform every, you know, cause it's a hot place. So. Right. Either he wasn't always with his jacket, he wore his mugging dove, he wore, he, it was, it was a, a different look. Right, absolutely. Okay? My... And it, and I got him at that show, we, we got him all groomed and, very nice. It, it, it just, I wanted him to to look. It, it it wasn't a fake thing. It was something, you know, that uh, I wanted to see. That's that's what I I knew who, who he was, who Shlomo was, and uh, and he agreed. Listen, if he didn't want to do it, he wouldn't have done it. And he didn't do it as a marketing ploy either. Right, he exactly. went. He bought a couple of suits. Got him, got him a haircut. Bought a couple of suits. Uh, yeah, I just. And, I, I just want to yeah. say, Shia, I, I want to let our audience know, um, our, my guest uh, now is Shia Mendelowitz, uh, who uh, knew Shlomo Kabach for many, many years in the music business and produced concerts uh, with him in the Hass concerts, which we'll talk about for a minute uh, in, a, in a couple of seconds. Uh, this is JM Sunday with your host, Matis Weingast. We have a three-hour uh, Shlomo Kabach special. Today is the 19th yard side of Shlomo Kabach. We'll be continuing till 10 o'clock instead of the usual 9 o'clock. And we will have the news from Israel coming up shortly. So she, as you mentioned, he, he was rebranded. And it's interesting because, again, uh, the interview I had before with Dr. Ophir talked about the fact that Shlomo was different at different times uh, of his life, but basically, and like you said, the same. He was not, he didn't change his inner persona really. He just changed maybe what was uh, outside to appeal to the audiences and to the fact that the times changed. You're not going to have somebody uh, dressing and looking the part and talking uh, in New York City to a separate seating concert or even a mixed seating concert in, in that period of time in the late 80s, 90s, and continuing, uh, who was a certain way back in California in the 60s and in the 70s. It was a different world, a different world for everybody. Right. You take a look yes. at any pictures of, of, of people who went to even the, to the yeshivas, the way they dressed was different then and now. I, I don't mean they dressed like the people in California, but you see that they all wore you know, certain jackets, certain hats, and now it's different. So times change and, and times change people, but he kept through. Now, after that concert... Uh, he started certainly appearing more in the um, in the in the uh, yeshiva world, if you will, for concerts. Uh, I want to jump ahead a little bit to the Hass concert, where he was. Uh, we, we, he came back out to thunderous applause. People that may not even remembered him when they were younger, but grew up with his music. Tell us about that for a moment. Well, that was the second. Uh Hass concert, and um, I I, uh, I produced that show together with um, Ding of Suki and Ding fame, and uh, there was a segment at the towards the end of the the evening, which uh, Ding made was a 25 year tribute to Jewish music, and what that was was a segment of cameos uh, appearances by. People that shaped Jewish music. Joe Amar, all of us, was there. Uh, Rabin Sion, Shanker, Wild, Luchayim, Luchayim, again. And, uh, and last but not least was, uh, the Heiliger Rebbe. <laughs> the Heiliger of Schleimer. And, and when, by the time he came out, the place just, he, he, he sang a song, he sang it twice and then went off stage. And they, 
you know, they got just a little, little, little taste. That's right. And and that's it. But then we brought him back a few years later um, where he got his due, uh, really a due due, um, tribute while he was living. Right. And it was something that he felt so, so good about. It was it was prestigious he felt really really welcomed and and uh you know accepted and not people judging him and whatnot and uh you know it, it, it was it, that was really a special special beautiful evening absolutely and that that first uh, concert i was at i was at the other one also but the the crowd after he left the stage continued singing the song that he was uh, that he had sung and right. uh I think was it. Um, I right exactly right. And it was just uh, amazing to watch because here, you know, you hear things and whatnot, and it's like you said, it's not for us to judge at all because uh, he is somebody who brought into or back into the fold so many thousands upon thousands of people that would have been otherwise lost that were lost. Uh, I mean, the stories are amazing. Well, That's, this, I want. I want to just, if you don't mind, I. I was listening before to your interview with Dr. Ophir. Dr. Ophir, yes. Yeah. And he had mentioned about the option of a Rebbe. Yes. I want to tell you a very quick, a, a quick story. Like Shlomo would say, let me tell you a quick story. <laughs> and, and the quick story went, went as follows. And it's, it's a one million percent true, accurate story. He, Shlomo, <clears throat> on Tishabov, Lael Tishabov, every Lael Tishabov, would go, um, you know, after after Eicha, he would go to uh, to to the um, to the to the Kotel and he would go with with you know his the Chevra, whoever went with him, and they would sit and they and they uh, would they would sing. He brought his guitar, and they would sing, and he would sing songs that were apropos. He, you know, he wasn't. Dancing and stuff like that, you know, this sure. was something that he did every year. <clears throat> there were a group of people one year that saw him coming towards the uh, castle with with these chevra and and blocked him and said, "Nothing doing. You're not coming here. You're not doing that. That does it does not belong here at the the castle of Well Tishabov." Instead of Shlomo letting it blow into uh, and get into a big tumult and a confrontation. He just told his chevra, you know, he tried, you know, to reason with the fellows there. And, um, you know, and he decided, let's just go home and, and just leave it. Mm-hmm. He goes back home. He was uh, in an apartment, is uh, staying in, in, in Gaula. And uh, one of the gabayim of the Amshin of Rebbe told the Amshin of it, I w- we would do, he, that, that they were just there at the coastal. Did you hear what happened with Rip Schleimer? And uh, so he, he he goes on to tell tell uh, the story to the Rebbe. The Rebbe says, "Where is he right now?" He says, "He went back to his apartment in Gula." He says, "Take me over to him. Get 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 me the car. Take me over to him right now." And he went. He 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 went to pick up Schleimer. And he told Shlomo, come with me. And, uh, and subsequently got the other Hebra, his, his Hebra together. 
walked back to the Kaisal, and the Rebbe told these people, you are not to bother him. Let him do what he does, and it's not your business. It's not your place to tell him what to do. Wow. I'm telling you, and that's what that's exactly what happened. The reason I say that story is because people are quick to judge and and uh, like I think Doctor Ofer also says he 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 always questioned whether he was right was did he make the right decision was he doing the right thing did he go too far with certain things I'm telling you firsthand that of of conversations I had personal. A, a very, very, very deep personal conversation with him because it was something that I just wanted to know for myself because Shlomo, his, his whole life was larger. It was larger than life. Right. It was. It was. It was so big. He is a, a man who was, you know, there was there's Lubavitch that that was an organization with thousands of shluchim all around the world. Here's this one man who's a an organization, a one-man organization. In his own right, absolutely. In his own right, really. And absolutely. He, he begged me to, to, to in, in the last year, she helped me get funding. To, I, I don't want to do concerts. Just I want to be able to go to the cafes around the world and, and to, 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 to these bars. I could. Right. You don't know how many people I could save. Shia. Absolutely. Like he did in California. He went to where the people actually were. And not uh, hoping that the people are going to somehow find him, and he wanted to continue doing that always. Um, but uh, th- you know, thankfully, he also uh, was in that concert scene, and uh, as a result, we have till today, 19 years later, uh, so many people still affected by his music, and uh, you know, in such a positive way. Like he was a Torah scholar. We're going to be discussing that a little bit later with Shlomo Katz, and uh, he w- said many times that. Like you said, he, you know, he, he, he'll let somebody else judge. He'll let Hakarish Baruch Hu judge him. He would give up his, his, uh, place in, uh, in, you know, in the world to come if it meant helping Jews, uh, get back into the fold. And, you know, he did, he well, did what be, he could. To be exact, he would, was willing, to, he said he was willing to give up his chalik of Olam Haba. Yeah, he used to say in, that. In order to save another person and bring them back to this guy. Exactly. So when we listen to his music today, it, it behooves us to understand who the person was and the tremendous work that he did. It's not just the music, but it's through the music and and his whole being. That's right. She, was, uh, he was the, he was a person was the most well probably the most famous person in Jewish music, but he wasn't in the music business. Right, it wasn't exactly. about, it was not in it was not about business. It was never about right. business. <laughs> because first of all, every the, the the money never lasted in his pocket. It was it, it, in and out. There's it, so many stories. She yeah. that, that he would he would get a he would get a a, a fee from a, a concert at night, and someone would come to him who needed something, and the money was right out. Others lamented about that part of his not being in the business, but uh, but not his listeners. She, I want to thank you so much for joining me this morning on this thank special. You Thank you, thank you, Ramat. You're, you're, you're unbelievable. welcome. We go back quite a bit. Oh yeah, and, and, and you should continue <laughs> doing all the beautiful things with Nachum. Thank you, and go mechayel el Thank you, thank you, Amen. Thank you, Shia. Be well, and uh, thanks again for joining me. It oh, is uh, of, it is eight oh four. We'll get to we'll get to the news from Israel momentarily. Here is one of the classics from Shlomo Kalbach.
I heard the wall singing is the name of the uh, the album. Unbelievable. My thanks to Shia Mendlowitz for joining me this uh, in the last uh, in the last hour. We're going to move ahead. Uh, I want to remind you that JM Sunday is brought to you by Adorama. It is much more than a camera store. It is located at 42 West 18th Street in New York City. The number is 1-800-223-2500. Get all your electronic equipment there, cameras and everything else. 1-800-223-2500. You're listening to JM Sunday, a special commemorative edition. Till uh, We're here till 10 o'clock, commemorating the 19th yard site of Shlomo Kabach. And uh, we're going to get to more music. Right now we're going to go to our news from Israel and uh, link up with Hannah Levy-Julian, senior correspondent and an editor for the Israel National News English Division and a new news broadcaster in Israel. Good afternoon, Connor Levy Julian. And good morning to you. Thank How you. How is everyone this morning? Great, great. <laughs> We're having a wonderful show here. Uh, off the air, I spoke to you to, to get a quick recap of the <laughs> of the new the, uh, a quick uh, of the news, and uh, it's a tough it's a tough news day. Uh, so I think we're going to go with um, with what happened uh, with Yad Vashem. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I was I was going to say that we're rocking and rolling here with Shlomo Kalbach music, and you guys had earthquakes over there. We did indeed. More rocking and rolling, even more than usual. We had four <laughs> earthquakes in as many days. What was and, the? Uh, uh, those were at the Canaris. What was the? Uh, you know the number on the Richter scale of them? Yeah, I do actually. Um, uh, two were at the Canaris. Of Galilee okay. and the solar full moon. Uh, one was today, actually, just a couple of hours ago, uh, 3.6 on the Richter scale. Uh, it was felt as far away as Carmiel, uh, in Tiberi, of course, and in Spot. It hit just before noontime, Israel time today. It was centered in Kinosar, wow. near the lake. That's according to the Geophysical Institute. The other one was last Thursday. That one measured 3.5 on the Richter scale, and that one was centered actually directly in the lake itself. The other two were both around the Dead Sea area, which, by the way, Matis, I am right now at the Dead Sea on the shores of the beautiful southern Dead Sea in Ain Bokek at the hotel. Wow. Absolutely gorgeous <laughs> today. They were, these, these were mini-earthquakes. They, okay. were, they were not felt. You didn't, you didn't feel people sliding around, but I have to tell you, they were significant enough that in nearby Iran, both earthquakes caused enough damage 
that people are having to repair the counters in their kitchens. Interesting. Well, well, thank God uh, it wasn't worse than that, that's for sure. So uh, what what yeah. was happening over at Yad Vashem for a minute? Uh, quickly, the, an, an Egyptian family has rejected an honor that was bestowed by Yad Vashem uh, to a righteous among the nations, to an ancestor who risked his life to save Jews during the Holocaust. The righteous Gentile was an Egyptian doctor named Mohammed Helmi. He was honored last month by Yad Vashem for hiding Jews in Berlin during World War II. The wife of his great-nephew told the Associated Press in Cairo that the family would have been happy if any other country had offered to honor their ancestor, but since it was Israel, they turned down the honor. Wow. That was it. Ah, lovely. Uh, and uh, I know there are other news stories, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll let it go. We'll let it go with the earthquake and see if that juxtaposes what's going on over there. Uh, my thanks to you, Levy Julian, for joining us this morning on this uh, special program of JM Sunday commemorating the yard site of Shlomo Kalbach. And uh, we will catch up with you again next week right here on JM Sunday. And everyone should have a great, great, sunny and beautiful weather in the Shavuot Shows. Absolutely. Thanks again. Have a great day. Have a great day. All the best. Thank you. It is uh, 8.15 in the morning here on JM Sunday. Mata Swan guest with you on this special commemorative uh, edition of JM Sunday, if you will. We'll be here till 10 o'clock. Coming up soon will be Shlomo Katz, uh, followed by uh, Rabbi Citrin from the um, Shlo- from the uh, Kabach Shul, and uh, then uh, Neshama Kabach. And we're going to get in as much music as we can. Right now we're going to go to a number of selections so that we get a nice taste of music from Shlomo Kabach. And I uh, thank everybody for joining uh, for joining me this morning. By the way, if you want to sponsor the news from Israel, uh, if your company wants to sponsor it, you're welcome to. Give me a, uh, a shout-out at uh, sending me an email to matis at nachamsegel.com, M-A-T-T-E-S at nachamsegel.com. If you want to uh, just get in touch with me or if you want to sponsor the news, we have that opportunity, and I'll get you in touch with the right people. So you can do that. Uh, and uh, let's see, what do we have up next? I think we're going to go to, um, okay, here we go. Here is Tov Lahodos on JM Sunday. <laughs>
every Friday night who could take my children and my wife by the hand and my husband and all of us mamish go out into the holy fields and receive Shabbos and even Shabbos here an unbelievable story you know very few rabbis had the privilege of being called holy as much as they were very holy but to be called holy by the other tzaddikim is very special There was one Rebbe, there was one Rebbe, the Heilige Rishna. 
Mohat Shiva, when we just mentioned his holy name. He was a descendant of the Maggid of Mezrich, and he was really a descendant of King David. And in a certain, certain deep way, he restored a little bit the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of King David. You know, there were rabbis who were teachers, and then there were rabbis who were kings. Krishna was a king. Okay, today, thank God, we have a seven for seven and a conquered. But this is about 180 years ago. The Heilige Tzemach Tzedek, the president of Babacher Rebbe's great-great-grandfather, wanted so much to be enriched because I want you to know all the Tzedekim, all the Tzedekim, all the Holy Rebbe's went to the Holy Rishner. But somehow he was already old and he couldn't do it. So he said to one of his biggest Chassidim, Isaac Homler, the Heilige Rabbi Isaac Homler, please make your way to Rishon. Rishon is near Kiev, is in the Ukraine, and Lubavitch is in White Russia. And be there for one Shabbos and tell me what's happening. And everybody knows there were certain times when nobody was permitted to be in the Rishon's, in the Rishon's room together with him. And one of those special times was a few minutes before Shabbos. But the Heilige Rishner was told that the Tzemach Tzedek sent a special young man to be with him. So he sent word to him, come to be with me 10 minutes before Lichtbenchen, 10 minutes before Shabbos. You can imagine the Baisek Homler prepared himself and he was certain. 10 minutes before Shabbos, he'll walk into the Rishner's room. The Rishner's sitting with the Streimel and most probably he is going over the Pasha of the week, preparing himself for Shabbos. But it wasn't so. He's ushered in to the holy room of the holy Rishna, and here the Rishna is smoking a pipe. And the whole room is filled with smoke. How much the Rishna is smoking out the world? The Rishna is filling the whole world with the incense of the high priest. And it's getting later, later, later. And Baisek Homler is sitting there in silence, shivering inside. But he said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's getting later for Shabbos. Only two minutes before Shabbos. And the Rishna is still smoking his pipe. Exactly. The time of Lichtmenschen, to the split second, the Rishna put out the pipe. And he says to him, Russisch Agorn, Russisch, a great rabbi, come with me to the window. I'd like to show you something. And you and I, closing our eyes and going with them, devout. Which one time in my life I could take my children to that window? Listen to me. The Heilige Rishon looked out from the window and he says to him, young man, do you see? Can you see? The clouds of Shabbos. Can you see the clouds of Shabbos? Can you see the clouds of the weekdays? Making place for the clouds of Shabbos. Can you see the sky of the six days of the week? Making place. For the sky of Shabbos 
Can you feel the wind? Can you feel the wind of the sixth day of the week making plays for the wind of Shabbos? Can you see? Can you see? Can you see? The whole world, the whole world, the whole world, the world of the sixth day of the week, making place for the world of Shabbos. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos, good Shabbos. Lechodaydi likas kalo, b'nei Shabbos nikablo. Who tell the story all his life, and he said one time in his life, so Shabbos, real Shabbos. This is a very old nigun, Shalom Kippur nigun. According to the Ger Rebbe, these words are the. Most crucial words of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. V'yeda kol pa'u ki'ata be'altoi Yodin kol yitzur ki'ata yitzartan Far be it for me to uh, not play all of the most crucial words of Yom Kippur, but uh, we are being joined by the one and only Shlomo Katz, and uh, that is music from his Live in Melbourne album. Shlomo, welcome to JM Sunday and our special Shlomo Kaubach Yerzai commemoration. I've been thank you. I've been playing all Shlomo Kabach music and stories, but I wanted to just give everybody a little taste of your music for a few seconds before we before we spoke. Uh, you are a, a singer, a composer. Uh, you've produced a number of albums, including the Live in Melbourne album, which is very popular. And uh, you uh, have a very special connection to Shlomo Kabach. Uh, and you have edited uh, some of the newly released Torah works of Shlomo Kalbach. Uh, please tell us about the uh, latest Sefer that has come out, which I believe is called Evan Shlomo, and is also an Urim publication, as was the book uh, that we spoke about with Dr. Ophir. So please tell us about Shlomo's Torah. Uh, Evan Shlomo specifically is a dream come true. Not really my dream, it's actually one of Rip Shlomo's dreams. We found a recording of him sharing that when he was five years old, he knew that he was going to be a Rav one day. He knew he wanted to put out published farm, and uh, he already bought a, a bunch of notebooks, and he already gave it a name when he was five. That means nine, 1930, he was born in 1925. Wow. And he named it, he said, I had a name, I had nothing to write in it, but I knew the name. And the name was Evan Shlomo. Hmm. So he gave that name in 1930. And two years ago, in 2011, like 81 years later, we began it. And Baruch Hashem, two weeks ago, the second volume, which is the parish of his on on the, on the Chumash. But this is really a tipa minayam. It's a drop out of the ocean of Torah, which, uh, please God, the gate should open, that we could really we could really share it with the world. Are these um, uh, compilations of uh, words that you've heard through his uh, his his tapes, uh, his recorded right. uh, and writings that you've put together? Yeah. 
Uh, writings, no, because meaning he. I remember one time, one time his daughter Neshama showed me one booklet many years ago. I saw it of a, of some of his writings, his memoirs of uh, remembering Torahs he heard when he was sitting by the Friedrich Rebbe in Lubavitch. Mm-hmm. The previous Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak and the previous Lubavitch Rebbe. It was a small notebook with a few uh, Torahs of his. But other than that, there's, we haven't found any writings, any Ksavim. But we've been collecting for many, many years now. And we're up to basically more or less, uh, everyone knows terabytes and g- uh, gigabytes, yeah. gigabytes today. Yeah. Uh, about a terabyte point seven. Wow. Uh, which means more or less that uh, about 13,500, 14,000 hours of Rib Shlomo. Mm. And you'll so be able to put this in. Today, probably in the next, in about two and a half years, it would, it would finish. Right, exactly. And uh, you're going to be compiling more of this, uh, of course, in the series as uh, as time goes on, God willing. I hope. It's, it's, it's a life's dream. It's, of course. Can, as long as Hashem gives me the cloth to do it. What would you say is, um, I hate to use the word style, but what would you say the style is of, of uh, Shlomo's uh, thoughts and teachings in Torah? You know, he said something about Rav Cook once, which really comes to mind when really describing himself. He described that when Rav Cook wrote Oros Atshuva, he basically learned everything that was ever written on the topic of tshuva, whether it was Rambam, Hilchus Tshuva, Rabbeinu Yonah, Shari Tshuva, Alter Rebbe Zigeres Tshuva, whatever it was. And he took all that learning and like, squeezed it like a fruit, and the juice that came out was Oros Tshuva. The truth is, is that that's the same thing about him. Because his learning, his his learning, we none of us will never know really how deep that learning was back then by Reb Shlomo Hyman and Torah Vadas, and then by Reb Aaron and Lakewood. We'll never really fathom the, the extent of the depth. But what we do know is that the teachings that he would then give for the, you know, for his whole life, are filled with the Yamshel Torah. It's it's everything. We have stuff of his from teaching Tanya to teaching. Uh, Ramchal to teaching Masila mm-hmm. Fisharim, even teaching some Reb Chaims, like it's crazy. Obviously, the bulk of it is really Hasidus, and that was like really the the, the the Ikar of the Ikar that he was teaching for most of his later part of his life. The style is so unique, you can't compare it to anybody. But many people, especially when he was alive, they weren't able to allow their neshamas to be as exposed as they are today to his style because it sounded very I would say, non-establishment. You know, he would give over the deepest teachings in the world, Torahs, but they started with the words, like, let's say I walk on the street and I meet this girl and I love her very much. Right. Really, what he's trying to share with you is a very, very deep Reb Nachman that he just learned, but he wanted to give it over in a way that any person in the world could understand. Of course. We've been talking uh, with other guests this morning about the fact that uh, Shlomo, to a certain extent, was a lot of things to a lot of people, depending on who they were and how they would appreciate what it is that he was uh, teaching and what it is that he was attempting to do in drawing people back spiritually and back into Judaism. My guest uh, right now is Shlomo Katz, a uh, well-known singer and composer, uh, but we're talking about the Torah works of Shlomo Kabach. Uh, Evan Shlomo is the uh, is the set of Svarim that is uh, published so far, and uh, a new volume that just came out. This is the Yardside Weekend today, of course, the Yardside of Shlomo Kabach, and uh, the uh, you've had many events there in Israel. I, I think was there a concert last night, or a, a, I mean, a commemoration or whatever There's you had last night. Events. Many events. Yeah, and it started uh, last week. 
this week. Yeah, started last week already on Thursday night. We had a vet. There was a few. Uh, there were a few very big Shabbos's all over. We had ours and our chaver in the community. We live in Efrat. Uh, just a beautiful davening, a long, long tish, and a shalashidis. And last night there were a number of gatherings. And today, as well, uh, in the morning we already went to the kever, even though there's a bigger ceremony taking place now. Mm-hmm. In the next 20 minutes it'll start, where hundreds of people show up to the kever. There was there were days of learning uh, all over the place. And tonight there'll be another four to five events that I know of. I'm sure there are many more. I don't, I don't know all of them. So it's, but it's nonstop. But the, the truth is, Matis, is that our lives here in Eretz Yisrael, especially, it's become one big. It's not just today that there's a, it's like a Yorzeit memorial. Yeah, the, re, the rejuvenation of Yiddishkeit has become a long, a very long 19-year-old Kabach memorial. Right. True. True. Because he has um, influenced people still to this very day, and not just by having great music you know uh that that kind of became what it uh, what it was but now we're kind of getting back to the uh to his spirituality and hearing the things that he said and spoke and taught and uh, through what you're doing you know his uh, his torah uh which is amazing are are these um Sfarim, they're in hebrew and english or just hebrew at this point so far they're in english actually just english okay so far- so far, they're in English, Good. and yeah. we already translated the the Chumash pieces into Hebrew, waiting hopefully for some holy brother, holy schlepper to come and send down the gel to print <laughs> it by next year. And um, and Bezrat Hashem, in about three weeks, a new sefer, which is will be distributed worldwide by Feldheim, called The Soul of Hanukkah, is Rib Shlomo's teachings on this on, on on Hanukkah. A whole book just on Hanukkah will be coming out. But we've worked on enough. We already have enough for each and each each holiday. Uh, many more. There's not just holidays. Right. And we've only gone through about seven percent of the thirteen and a half thousand hours. Wow. How, can you? Our life, it, the work is cut out for us. Oh, for sure. Them, hopefully, there's not the This will open the gates for all many people that haven't found their their chibur, their connection to the Torah. Absolutely. Will you still be producing music? You have time for putting some. <laughs> Please, Gabor Hashem. You know, I, I I get a lot of these collections came to me personally because of the traveling and right. and the and because I, I have the chance to sing my own nigunim, which I really do believe he would have wanted mm-hmm. more than anything. I heard him this morning. My wife and I were driving to Yerushalayim, and I heard him on the tape saying, "What does it mean that God is one? Right. It means that God can't stand imitations. Everything, everyone has to be one, meaning everyone has to be themselves." Just like Hashem doesn't imitate anybody else, He's just God. So I feel very strongly, Dafka from Rib Shlomo, that if if He was around now, He He wouldn't want me to hear He wouldn't want to hear me singing His nigun, and He'd want me to be singing the nigun in the Baruch Hashem I was zocher to receive, my right. brother, and so forth. Right, your brother. Also, I was but going to mention. Up. I was going to mention your brother Eitan is uh, also a, a, a tremendous uh, singer and composer. He was just in the radio station. A few weeks back, uh, celebrating Nachum's 30th anniversary mm. on the air, and uh, was, uh, really, I uh, thought Nachum was only 35. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Well, I don't know if I should ask this, and I don't want to put you in a spot. But uh, did you did you get a chance to know Shlomo Kavach? I, I was born in 1980. Right. So you you I, were I was able 14 to 14 when Rib Shlomo passed away. It... I might have. I think I saw him once, maybe twice, in Los Angeles as a child. Right. But it took me a long time to realize how thankful I am that I didn't know him because there, I don't think there's any way in the world that I would be able to connect uh, through the 
Torah like like we were trying now while a person's still alive. It's just the way it is. Right. So I'm actually Baruch Hashem. We were spending a lot of time with him now. I think much more than when he was alive. Right. Right. Absolutely. But you, you know, your father was very close to him, right? My Abba Baruch Hashem had a kesher. There's an amazing video on YouTube of Shlomo, black and white video from Mount Zion, 1972, yeah. where my Abba's there playing accordion. Right. Uh, yeah, it was actually, I feel like it was a wedding gift because I grew up hearing about that that day, that special recording that my Abba had with Shlomo. <laughs> right. My father, Abshalom Katz, and uh, we found it a few days before my wedding. And I couldn't believe it. it was just the greatest gift in the world we could find. So, yeah, that, my father had a beautiful kesher with us. Sure, absolutely. And uh, uh, you also just recently put out a video. Uh, for for a second, we'll mention it. The um, the video that was put out uh, as a as a, a, a healing video in Cedar Sinai Hospital, I think it was. Was that correct? Uh, am I correct about that? Uh, a four yeah, yeah, yeah. a four parter and. I'm told that it's still available today for people who are there. Every day. Wow, unbelievable. So that's Every something... day it's on there giving koyach for the past uh, <laughs> nine, ten and a half years to patients. I actually had the privilege of working in that hospital, and I would see patients wait every day for 1 p.m. Wow. to turn on that station and really just, that, was, that was the medicine unbelievable that work. Well, I, I want to thank you Shlomo Katz for joining us this morning on JM Sunday there's again like I say with everybody there's so much we could talk about we could also talk about your family and, and Passaic and I mentioned to you the other day that the, the young Israel the old young Israel building is, is gone it's uh, gone, been huh? demolished and uh, making uh, room for a brand new building but a lot of memories there when your uh, when your family would come and uh, and daven yeah, there sure. so it definitely my, goes my back my grandfather was one of the founders and absolutely fact, was the first place my mom Got to see Reb Shlomo. That's and right. Little girl come perform there. That's right. And you know, he was at Reb Shlomo was at, in Passaic not too long before he was Nifter. I think it was just a number of weeks beforehand. Um, so yeah, that uh, the cycle just turns and continues. Thank you so much for yeah. joining us on this yard site. Uh, continued uh, Hatzlacha with your work in spreading the Torah of Shlomo Kabach and the music. And thank you once again for joining us. Amen. Here. to you and to Nachum and to everyone that's listening. Thank you so much. Altov. Here is Piskuli by Shlomo Kalbach. Piskuli Sharit Tzedek Ovo Vom Odeko Please open the gates for me. Please open the gates. Piskuli Sharit Tzedek Ovo Vom Odeko Peacefully, share the deck. Oh, I am I Oh, 
Absolute classic by Shlomo Kabach, sung in so many places during uh, the Hallel service and uh, and elsewhere. It is uh, 8.49 in the morning here on JM Sunday with Matas Weingast, and you are listening to the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsegel.com, jmandtheam.org. 
We're usually here on Sunday till 9 today because of the special program that we have. We're going to be extending till 10 o'clock. My conversation with uh, Neshama Kabach will be coming up at around 9.15 this morning. And we are commemorating the 19th yard site of Shlomo Kabach. With uh, just seems like yesterday that he was here. And he still affects so many tens of thousands of people worldwide. It's uh, with a great honor and pleasure that I welcome to the airwaves now the rabbi of the Kabach Shul in Manhattan, New York, Rabbi Naftali Citrin, welcome to JM Sunday. Um, Naftis, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so honored to be on the show this morning, and uh, I'm so happy to, to have a, a, a moment to be heard by you and your listeners. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you so much. First, uh, let's talk about what's going on and what has been going on this weekend, and I'm, I'm sure for a period of time, with the Yard Site celebration. You had a concert last night, I believe, and what's going on today? You know, Rub Shlomo, although he was famous for his music, he was equally excelled in bringing to life uh, some virtuous reality, bringing to life his, his not just music, also his stories and his teachings, his, his Torah, the, uh, the Hasidim and just simple Jews of yesterday, every yesteryear, the Baal Shem Tov, the Magad of Mizrich, and more than any other generation, the time of the Talmidei HaMagad, the students of the Magad. So we, we like to give people the music, and tonight we're going to have a, an opportunity in the shul to hear the Shama. And last night we heard our Baltrila Yehuda Green, it's really Williger, Eitan Katz, Ellie Kranzler, over a thousand people. Um, that was wonderful. But we need, we need also Rib Shlomo's way of bringing Torah to, to life. And uh, today we're going to remember Shlomo by learning his memory about the Talmide HaMagid, about the students of Ma- the Magid of Mizrich, the second leader of the Hasidic movement. There were only really two people that you could say in the Hasidic movement that were the leaders of their generation, un- unquestionable the leader, which was the founder of the Baal Shem Tov, and then his student, the Magad of Mizrich, who went on to, you can argue that there's uh, no other teacher in the history of the Jewish people since, you know, since, since the Tanayim and Amirayim that had such an influence, had so so high Talmudim that they basically transformed Yiddishkeit and, and within a generation after the Magad, half, almost, almost half of Eastern Europe were of, of, the, of the Jews that were practicing Yiddishkeit were Hasidim. Wow. And, and most of that was done because of the students of the Magad of Mizrich. Wow, absolutely. And, and, and that, though, you know, so that we're going to be learning about that. We have a program at the JCC starting in a couple hours, starting at uh, uh, 10.30 this morning. Great. Now, for those listeners that are in the area, uh, can they still come and join to any of the programs today? And uh, how absolutely, can they get? Absolutely, they can. They can just they can walk into Shachris at nine thirty, <laughs> where we're going to be davening. It's 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 the yard site Mamish today. We have right. Moshe Stepansky, who was was one of our top uh, Baltfilas. He was he's a wonderful voice. He's actually f- just flew in from Israel last night mm. uh, to be here for the yard site, and he's going to be davening. And then they could come on over for breakfast at 10.30 at the JCC in Manhattan and hear some of our guest speakers. We've had a number of guest speakers 
people who are, they're not just guest speakers, these are people who were touched by Rabbi Shlomo, some of them going back to the 50s, um, who are now teachers in their own right. Absolutely. They will uh, be there with us at the JCC. Do you mind giving us the address of the uh, the location of the shul? The, uh, the shul, and everybody's invited, of course, uh, there's nothing like a Friday night Kalbach at the Kalbach Shul. Okay. And uh, that's 305 West 79th Street in Manhattan. It's uh, right off of West End Avenue. And um, it's, it's, it's right here. It's waiting for people to come. Right. Uh, the doors are open. I, I want to just spend a couple of minutes, a couple of quick questions, if I may. Uh, and again, thank you for joining us this morning on JM Sunday. Sure, uh, the uh, the legacy of your shul, you know, goes back to um, Rabbi Shlomo's father. See, he was the first uh, rabbi of the shul, I believe, right? Um, well, the shul was in existence for a few years, actually. To be historically accurate, its, uh, it's official name is, is Kehilas Yaakov, because there was a fellow named uh, Rabbi Yaakov that was the uh, rabbi there for a few years, maybe three or four or five years. And then uh, my great-grandfather, Naftali Kalbach, bought the shul from him for $5,000. Wow. Um, Huge in the, sum in that year, years. in those years, I'm sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't include the building. They still had to pay rent. <laughs> they only, <laughs> they still had to pay rent from the landlord, who was the uh, owner of the, build, the adjacent building. Wow. The big, the now a luxury condo unit, but back then it was a rental building. Yeah. So now you know, <laughs> some, your listeners know something. Yeah. Most people, almost nobody knows. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Now, the people that you see now, um, and, and to put it in context, we talked about how Rabbi Shlomo uh, seemed to be uh, able to attract different people at different stages in his life, different times of the world, he was able to uh, get people to uh, come back to Judaism and uh, the spirituality that he imbued in them and, and uh, he imbued in himself and that uh, showed to them. Uh, but now in the time that you've been here at the shul, do you see some of the same people looking for the same thing? Uh, do you see the same type of as he called them, the holy beggars from the uh, House of Love and Prayer in, in California? Uh, or do, do you see uh, the people in the more yeshivish crowd who are looking for spirituality that they may not be getting? Um, well, you, you hit it on the head because today there's there's a shift in, uh, I, I don't like to use the word kira, but because with, or outreach because Shlomo really felt that it, this, you don't reaching out it has some some type of kind of arrogance that we we have the answers and, and you're lost and, and, and we're going to help you and um, and everybody knows the Gemara says that the that more than the calf wants to suckle the cow, the cow wants to wants to nurse wants right. to give the milk so. Um, but the, the the answer is yes on both counts. That uh, that um, there are, there's still a lot of yearning out there. A lot of people who are um, coming from from different backgrounds, not from non-orthodox backgrounds, from from limited affiliation, are still coming through, still coming into the shul, uh, or somehow we're getting to them. But uh, the second part, which is very important, which is today. There's a growing number that, because the religious community within the Orthodox world has 
uh, grown tremendously over the last number of years. Uh, with it has also come a lot of uh, disillusion, you know, just people having having challenges within their Yiddishkeit. A lot of it has to do with um, um, perhaps you can say the state of of uh, the spirituality of of, of Judaism. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's focused on the rules and not on the meaning. Right. Uh, so you could ask a yeshiva bacher, what's the meaning of Shabbos? Okay, so this, everybody knows. Okay, God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh day. Okay, Pesach, Passover, because Zechelis, he's Mitzrayim, like, a, you know, we remember God took us out of Egypt. So we, we're, we're still remembering the things that are, we're still learning on the level of a Ben Chumash Lamikra, like a, like a schoolboy, a five-year-old mm. who's reading the Chumash for the first time. But they have no idea of the real, of the teachings of the, Hasid, the Hasidic masters and the Kabbalists. And that's why, so some people who are deep are either they're studying Kabbalah, but I don't know who they're studying from, uh, or they're already a Hasid, okay, Gevald, so they're learning Hasidus, but not everybody is Hasidim, and not everybody that's a Hasid knows how to learn Hasidus and has access to it. So that's one avenue where we're we're giving people um, in the firm community a chance to experience spirituality that's a little bit less judgmental than you may have to be on the level to get it if you want to go study Kabbalah and right. Kabbalah yeshiva in Yerushalayim. That's great. That's the highest. But not everybody can access that. Not everybody will get through the door. Not, exactly. not everybody will be accepted there. And I guess that's, so that's why... That's one of the things we do. Sure, and I guess that's why uh, when you have a Slichus night filled with uh, hundreds if not thousands of people... Uh, coming to Slichus Night and uh, looking at the pictures that I saw, at least, and hearing from people that were there, a very, uh, quote, yeshivish crowd, but yet also just everybody else walking in there and being there together, it shows uh, the need that's out there and that people are looking uh, to you. And you, of course, uh, literally the epicenter for Karbach Minyanim. I mean, it's, you know, it is the Karbach Minyan, and there's so many of them around the world. Uh, Absolutely. It's a tremendous privilege. We didn't do anything other than, you know, we're, we're just here. We're continuing. Shlomo started this, this way of davening. And let's face it, it's not like it's totally new. It's, you know, it's the way of the Balshantov. But, but, um, the only people who have really made the way of the Balshantov accessible have been Chabad. You know, opening right. up Chabad houses and, it's like, I love Sat Mechamer. They're my favorite. I love those guys. They're awesome. But, like, I was talking to one of them that seemed very ambitious and has a shoal in, in Monroe. Um, and I said, you should, you know, you should, you should branch out. Right. And he said as a joke, he said, what should I do? We specialize in Michuk. <laughs> and he, was, he had a sense of humor. You know, right. We specialize in pushing people away. <laughs> right. The truth is, Satmer, they, they don't. They don't. They don't. Right. Of Satmer, course not. Of course not. People. Sure, but they but they weren't given the their way isn't to go out and to be mikarev to bring clothes to Jew on the street, right? Exactly, you know, without a yarmulke. Mm-hmm. That's just not their way, and they're doing their mitzvahs to the bikkholim that they do. Exactly, the, 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 the sick people taking care. I 
they do tremendous, right? And it's tremendous a, Camille's Cosella. Right, and it's, it's important. A different thing. Everybody does their thing. Exactly, it's important it's for everybody all important. to. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I was going to say it's very important for everybody to know their own strengths and what they are good at because that's uh, what, what at which they will be most successful. Rabbi Citrin, Rabbi Naftali Citrin, Rabbi of the Kaabach Shul in Manhattan, thank you so much for joining us this morning on on JM Sunday. I know it's very busy there, and of course, uh, it, as as a relative in the family, you feel the uh, the yard site uh, you know more than most, and uh, you know we wish you uh, continued health and and Hatzlacha at the you. shul. Thank you. Thank you and, again. Uh, thank you so much, and, and I wish you well, and anybody listening to the show. And I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, we, we've we've uh, been blessed so far, and hopefully we'll uh, get to sing the Shalmas and the Gunan next year in Yerushalayim. Amen. Thank you again, Rabbi uh, Naftali Sidrin of the Kabach Shul. Now we go to Shivchi Kamayim. Uh, my discussion with Neshama Kabach will be coming up shortly right here on JM Sunday.
this is a prophecy from Yerushalayim, the holy city, to the whole world. This is a message from our children to their parents. Days are coming, says God. There'll be a great hunger in the world. But the hunger will not be for bread. And the thirst will not be for water. But to hear the word of God. This is our generation, it's our children. Crying in their sleep, begging when they are awake, waiting, 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 holding out with their last strength to hear the word of God.
Lamanachai by Shlomo Kalbach. That particular rendition comes from the Greatest Hits, Volume 2, here on JM Sunday. Matis Weingast with you on this expanded edition of JM Sunday. We're usually here till 9. We're going until 10 o'clock today here on the stream on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com. We are commemorating the 19th yard site of Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach here on JM Sunday. Just a couple of uh, reminders. Mayanot Yeshiva High School for Girls in Teaneck is uh, holding its uh, open house today for 8th grade girls. So please, uh, if you have a thought of going there, even if you're not sure, just uh, go there and uh, and check it out today at uh, Mayanot. On, uh, I want to thank our, our so many listeners who became friends on Facebook just today. And uh, we, we thank you so much. When you get a chance, go to Facebook, like the JM Sunday page, and uh, you'll find out everything that goes on here on uh, on JM Sunday. I wanted to remind everyone that JM Sunday is brought to you by Adorama, which is located at 42 West 18th Street in New York City. The number to call is 1-800-223-2500. Adorama is much more than a camera store. It is... The um, it's the official sponsor of the Nachum Siegel Network, and it has all your electronics needs, cameras, you name it, everything else there is in the uh, in the electronic world. Go get it at Adorama 1-800-223-2500. This morning, so far, in addition to of course playing Rav Shlomo's music, we were joined by Natan Ophir, who wrote a biography about Rav Shlomo. We were joined by Shia Mendlowitz. Rabbi Shlomo Katz, who spoke about the Torah of Rabbi Shlomo, and uh, we just we just spoke with Rabbi Naftali Sitrin, the rabbi of the Kabach Shul, to get uh, some information about how the shul's going, and he imparted information to us about Rabbi Shlomo. It gives me great pleasure, and it's a great honor, to next welcome to these airwaves Neshama Kalbach, daughter of Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach, who in her own right is a uh, musician and uh, who has carried on the, the legacy of her father. Neshama Kalbach, welcome to JM Sunday. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for joining us. I realize that you know, today, of course, is the actual yard site, and as his daughter, of course, this affects you more than you know, anyone else affects the children and affects the immediate family more than anyone else. Uh, it's it's as as much as we enjoy the world enjoys Shlomo Kalbach and and certainly is sad that he's not with us anymore. Of course, it must be it must be more profound for you and your family. You know, it really is, and uh, this year particularly for some reason is extra painful. Um, this is the, you know, at the, apparently every, it's every 19 years that the Hebrew calendar and the English calendar coincide, and they actually pass away on October 20th. Right. So every year I feel October 20th in the same dramatic intensity way that I felt the your site, and the impact of having them both in the same moment is, um, for my sister and I, we're both reeling for some reason this year. is um, I've been crying for like three days. Uh, I can, I can imagine. And you have uh, a lot of events that go on uh, around this time, of course. Uh, Rabbi Sitrin spoke about what ha- went on and continues to go on in his shul. Uh, Shlomo Katz spoke about what's going on in uh, Israel and literally all over the world, all corners of the world. Tonight you have a concert, and uh, will that be featuring your music, uh, your father's music, a mix, or uh, everything together? Um, the truth is, in my work, 
I have had um, I have had a lot of I've been very blessed to be able to express myself musically. But the truth is, the overall my my songs that I sing, songs that I present, are my father's because I believe that they're um, that they gifts of my of my heart, the gifts of my family, and I began this career to continue his holy work. And um, it's amazing to see how you know I do. We create new arrangements. We do new. We do great things with the music. I work with the greatest musicians in the world. And um, people come up to me after a concert sometimes. They're like, well, you should sing some of your father's songs. I'm like, every song I sang was his. (laughs) (laughs) You got to phone up on your trivia. Right, absolutely. (laughs) And I know that you're coming out with a new album. Uh, When is that due? That will be out by Hanukkah this year. And um, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, I'm sure a lot of you know that there's a a play on Broadway about my father called Soul Doctor. Right. And um, it just closed last week, sadly, um, to go on tour, which is exciting, and there's going to be new things for it. But um, it was the closing of a, of a segment of, of time. Sure. But um, the, the, the thing that everyone was calling me as, as one of the creators of the project was Soul Daughter. Right. And, um, so the play, this, this new record that I'm doing is going to be my ninth recording. It is original. It's my father's music. It was redone and rearranged and re-lyricized for the play. But it's the original... Hollywood music from the show Soul Doctor, right. and it will feature members of the cast. Ah, as well. nice. Now I believe I have a cut of that, the Shabbos um, cut, oh, which I want. Can play. I tell you about that before you play it? Do you mind? If can what? I tell you, can I tell you a little bit? Of the please, you play please it? do. Of course. Um, I'm particularly inspired by this song. I've been wanting to. It's my father's music, more surely on the Shabbos, and um, I've been wanting to record it for a very long time. It's been a very painful thing. My father actually wrote that song for his father, for my Zayda Naftali, at my grandfather's funeral. And my father got up and he said, you didn't leave us, the the Nazis had taken everything from them. You didn't leave us real estate, you didn't leave us diamonds, you left us with Shabbos. That was the gift that his father left for him and for his family, for his brother and sister. And um, I always think the same thing. I I think my father left the entire world for us. But my father's gift to us is Shabbos. And I'm not I'm not only saying from Friday to Saturday night, I'm saying the concept that human beings can tap into something that is more meaningful. The fact that we can shut down the, the sort of the edit out the voice of the mundane and to really hear the voice of God and the voice of truth. And we are so limited, so of course as human beings we need this block of time where we have to create Shabbos or it just doesn't happen to us. But when we talk about Yom Shikul Shabbat and what we're, what we're praying for in life is that we can have that experience all the time, that we can tap into what is precious and live that way with love, with patience, um, hearing and seeing those who love us, who, who we love all around us. So that is, for me, that is, that is the legacy of my father, that he taught us the preciousness of every moment and the holiness. And on this track, my father wrote this for his father. I'm singing it for my father. And on this track, my six-year-old son, Raphael, is playing percussion. Mm. Um, he's an incredible, prodigious, beautiful drummer at six years old. And he did this in one pass, <laughs> wow. which, was, which was crazy. And so you'll hear him at the, at the little drum break, and then my little son comes and plays. And I feel um, this soul doctor experience for me, um, the best part about it has been seeing my children relate to my father in a way that I... I never dreamed. I mean, Beautiful. I never dreamed that they would. They're not. He's not here anymore. Sure. But here's my son um, having this moment with his father, with his grandfather, and with my father. And it's um, it is for me one of the holiest tracks. So, 
that's a long explanation, but I'm <laughs> thrilled that you'll share it, and I hope that all of you will pick up some, uh, some Soul Daughter. Of course. And we'll be in the next month. Here is, uh, here is from the album Soul Daughter. Here is Shabbos by Neshama Kabach. Shabbat Shalom, 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 Shalom,
from the upcoming album, Soul Daughter. That is a Neshama Kalbach with Shabbos. And uh, I am, again, thankful for your joining us, Neshama Kalbach, on the air this morning, on the day of your father's yard site. We Thank appreciate you. your being here. It's a great here. honor. A great honor. I'm happy to talk. <clears throat> I feel really um, selfishly, you know, I, I know that to a certain degree he belongs to the world. Selfishly, I, it is the hardest day of the year for me. And um, But I feel so profoundly blessed that the entire world... Um, is remembering him today. Of, and of course. Here. I, I wanted to ask you and pick up on something, if I may. Uh, we don't always have the opportunity to talk. And uh, I, you mentioned that the, this song your father wrote and uh, and sang for his uh, his father. Uh, I, you know, we read a lot of things, we hear a lot of things over the years. What was their relationship, and and uh, h- how did it develop in in the later years? My father and his father? Yes. My father and his father were incredibly close. Um, the way that my grandfather was depicted in Soul Doctor was not the truth at all. It was it was absolutely, um, and not for me, um, a theatrical <laughs> decision that the production team made. I was going to ask you about that specifically, yeah, right. There was a lot of, in the play, I don't know if you saw it, there was, there was a tremendous amount of theatrical liberty, and, and really I'm sad to say that not a lot of it was, was actually biographical, but it was meant to... <laughs> Create a point, and um, and that's what they decided to do. Right. It was not in my hands. Right, right. But, uh, my grandfather, my father would say, was the sweetest of the sweets, and um, always smelled really good, just like my father. And sure. had the utmost respect for everyone. Was so proud of his children. Was the most loving, soft human being. Right. And uh, that was not at all what, what was depicted in the book. Right, of course, and that's you know, that's why I wanted to to clarify that and ask you about that. Um, when did you realize? You just mentioned before that you know the world. He, he's to the world. But when did you realize growing up that, besides being your your father and the one who would come home, and I read somewhere I don't know if it was you or your sisters would comment that in Israel he would come home from concerts at three o'clock in the morning and then he'd be singing to you and talking. When did you realize, though, that he was someone special to the whole world? Well, I always knew that he was someone special to the world because he was, was grabbed at and mauled on every corner. <laughs> he couldn't even walk down the street. So I knew everyone loved him. You know, that was true. I think the question, and it was actually incredibly annoying to me growing up. I'd be like, can't we just go to a restaurant? Like, do you have to, can you not come to my school? Do you have to hug my teacher? You know, can you, <laughs> You have to talk to everyone on the airplane. <laughs> he, was just, he was just like, it was actually my sister's whole thing. She was like, please don't hug my teacher. <laughs> go to school. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I knew everyone loved him. Of course. And that was a beautiful thing. But I think I was around 15 years old when I realized that I was proud of him. I think that was my big, you know, I think children really need their parents to be parents. You know, when you're young, um, you could be living with the greatest human being in the world, but it's about how they how they relate to you on your own level. And as a mom, I, I I see that all the time with my children. They really, my best days with my kids are when I'm just there for them and I don't have an agenda and I'm not running anywhere and I'm just, I'm able, like, momish to tap into their energy and be there for them on their terms because that's what children need. Right. And um, when I was around 15, I realized that not only was my father loved by the world and not only was he very special, but that I was really, really proud of him. And I got it. I just got what he was doing. And I, I started telling him a lot. And I, you know, of all the things that I regret in terms of time and wishing so much that I, that I had more time with him, the one thing that I know is that I, I told him that I was proud of him. And I truly felt it. And I had a 
few years with him where I really, I sang with him, I traveled with him, and I had the great bracha of, of really, really telling him how, how just to validate him in my own way. And I'm sure that, to acknowledge him. sure, and I'm sure that he told you how proud he was of you also during that time period. Really, he told me he was proud of me, and I would walk down, the, I would come down the stairs and tell me he was proud of me, and I was like this little squeaky, you know, I don't think I could sing very well at all, and he was like, oh, you're the greatest in the world, I mean, like, it got, it got a bit much, because I'd be like, please, you know, <laughs> like, have some perspective, that sounded terrible, <laughs> you know, he was he was so effusive and so supportive and loving all the time, and right. I, it really, um, it gave me, I think, the strength to, to be an adult in the world and to live through Moments of madness. I think. I think my father's encouragement of me personally, um, and I think this gift of Shabbos. Sure. It basically says that God is with you, and some days you're in hole and you're you're not you're not in Shabbos, but Shabbos is coming, right. and the goodness is coming, and there is a reason for all these things. And the more I grow in life and in my own experiences, the more I feel Shabbos every day, and right. the more I feel my father with me every day. You. It's a very. It's a strange thing. You've not only um, continued his legacy in terms of uh, his music and your music, uh, but also the part of his go- reaching out to everybody. Uh, he would call everybody God's children, whether they were Jewish or not Jewish, and he uh, would smile at everyone. Uh, and his music, of course, and the spirituality affected so many people. I'll read you something from a website that, that I just saw recently. Describing this is a website of a synagogue describing its uh, its liturgy and uh, in, in describing the different elements of its liturgy, it says here the mel- this it talked about a particular melody that they use to a, a Friday night uh, a part of davening. They say the melody is from Rav Shlomo Kalbach, who created throughout his life songs of praise and inspiration and instilled in so many a love of music and its spiritual possibilities. He wrote beautiful yet simple melodies that have enhanced our liturgy and all our communal prayer experiences. Now, it probably wouldn't surprise you, but might surprise others, that this was written on the uh, webpage of a reform synagogue, who sure. you know, took take this music and um, make it a part of their service. You have uh, gone even, I wouldn't say a little further, but in terms of reaching out, there are many non-Jewish groups that are, are tremendously desirous of hearing and and playing his music and feeling his music. Well, I, you know, there's, so there's two things that I want to share that I'm really proud of. You know, I've been collaborating with Reverend Roger Hambrick and the Green Pastures Baptist Church Choir for about seven years now, um, and that has been. We made the first level of the Grammy Awards in 2011, and um, have performed throughout the world and continue to do so. And um, that, for me, was um, was the gift of a lifetime, to, to have my arms and my heart open around the entire universe. Because in the end, yes, we are all one. And that and that's really the point of why we're here. You know, my father would say, what are we chosen for, seriously? If we're all sitting around and talking about how we can be there for each other, we're not really doing God's work in the world. And um, so that is very special. And at this moment, you know, that song that you just heard was produced by Josh Nelson, who is the premier reform superstar in that in that world, in that mm-hmm. Jewish world. And he and I are beginning to travel. We just sang at the conservative centennial celebration, their 100th year celebration this past Sunday. And in December, we'll be performing at the URJ Biennial, the reform movement, um, their greatest gathering that happens. Um, it's going to be in San Diego. And um, I feel between my work with the Baptist 
choir and with my work now with Josh Nelson, with, um, who's producing Soul Daughter and one of the most extraordinary talents I've ever experienced in my life, I feel like um, I'm fixing, to a certain degree, my own hearts when it comes to Jews and, and how to relate to Jews, regardless of where they come from, regardless of their perspective, and, and also just people on the outside. Because I think, I think that when you grow up very from, sometimes you're a little bit closed, and maybe you're a little fearful. And my father would say, you have to be like this tree. You have to be this strong, strong, rooted human being. You have to know who you are. And the problem with, with being, you know, I, I think that when you talk about assimilation, it's like people don't know who they are, and they're always looking, and they're always searching. For me, I know who I am. I know who my father is. I, I know where I stand. Um, when I sing around and I meet people who are of all faiths, of all backgrounds, of all colors, of all nationalities, it, it only, for me, enhances my belief that God is one. Um, it only makes me feel closer to, to the Hashem that I pray to. And um, I wish so much that the world would be that, that we could find so much inspiration from our own hearts, that reaching out was not a burden, reaching out was a joy. And I think that that is the key point, absolutely, of the religious world, that we have so much to give. But we're also so, so we're closed, we're just closed. Right, absolutely. Close our minds, our hearts, to our own children, to our own possibility, and really, to tikkun olam, which is what we are here for. So um, I love that you just said that. I, I'm excited to tell you about all the work that I'm doing in the world, and i got to tell you, I, I don't think for, for Orthodox people that much at all, you know, with the Koisha prohibition. It's, right. it's um, they sneak in the back. <laughs> they have a following from Williamsburg. They come with their kapatas and their okay. off from the outside, <laughs> and they come, they sneak in. And I think I think the world is ready for something new. I think we're all ready uh-huh. for something new, for something powerful. And um, I know that my father's spirit, his music, his message is, is at the forefront. Right. We just only have to open our hearts and listen. Right, absolutely. I, you know, I tell I tell the story once in a while, of listening, uh, watching uh, on TV when uh, the, one of the previous popes, Pope John Paul, I think it was, came to the United States, and uh, was in Giant Stadium, and I happened to be watching it, and uh, people were singing, the crowd was singing beforehand, and suddenly I'm listening to a Shlomo Kabach tune. And uh, I, I think I had actually spoken to you at that time and asked you, like, why that happened to you. You had said that there was a close relationship that they had, and that was a tune that was, was part of the repertoire there. Uh, you, know, you know how many, how many non, I know I'm the, I'm the executor of my father's estate, so I handle royalties. Hopefully, it's amazing to me, by the way, not to do a little, uh, not to give anyone muster, but it's amazing that the non-Jewish world pays properly for my father's music. And the religious, no offense. And I understand. Thing. That's for a yeah, whole um, other discussion. <laughs> that's, that's just another to do. Um, <laughs> right. But, um, but you should know, I mean, I was in, I had the privilege, Josh Nelson and I were in Japan this past May. Uh-huh. And I was representing Judaism at this thing called the Peace Prayer Conference. And there were 10,000 people at the base of Mount Fuji. Wow. And we were singing my father's song. Mm, unbelievable. And it was tremendous. It was tremendous. And it was a moment that I can't describe. And really, I could have been in shul. Yeah. I mean, a really beautiful <laughs> right. outdoor Mount Fuji right. with, with the spirituality that that was there, it's uh, it's under, I understand what you mean. Uh, you know, that I, means we're all one, and this music is resonating with the entire world. It, you know, my father does not. I meet people all the time who try to say, "Oh, your father was this. Your right. father was this," and define him. My father was everything, and not only was my father everything. We, all of us listeners, if you're 
if you're going to pay attention to one thing that I say, I feel like inspired to say that we are all everything. And if we're going to be Hashidim of my fathers, we have to stop limiting ourselves. Right. We've got to open our hearts. We've got to reach deeper. We've got to sing louder. We've got to pray harder. We've got to feel. We've got to cry sometimes. And that's, that's what we are here for. A- absolutely. And that is the message of my father on his yard site. Bezrat Hashem, we're going to steal this great message. A hundred percent. The tikkun and the redemption can come down faster. Sure, Doctor uh, Ophir had uh, mentioned that earlier that he was uh, everything to everyone in a certain way, and that's that's so true. I mentioned before I don't. I think it was to Dr. Ophir that, or maybe I don't remember who it was today that I mentioned that I my first recollection of meeting your father and seeing him was when I was a youngster, and he came to the JEC in Elizabeth to do a concert on a Saturday night, and of course he came two hours late. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I think he was coming from Hillside. I think your your uncle was the rabbi in Hillside for a while, I believe. So Hillside to Elizabeth is like a five minute drive, but somehow he got here two hours two hours late. But you know, you know, he left an hour and a half. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and uh, but I'll share one quick thing with you. It's a totally personal. I, I happened to take a look at my um my my records and and remembered. I mean, I always knew this, but your uh, your your uh, aunt uh, Hadassah Kabach was my primer teacher in JEC <laughs> a couple wow. of years back. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And one of the one of the days I'll have to tell you stories about uh, about that. I still remember the class. But Neshama Kabach, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today on a very difficult day. We understand on your father's yard site, uh, but uh, yes, he is uh, shared with the world. Uh, but he is, of course your family, and uh, that is very special to you. And we thank you for joining us and for spreading his uh, music, his spirituality, his Torah, continuing to spread that with the world. Thanks, my friend. That's very sweet. You're welcome. Yeah, let's, let's talk again soon. Absolutely. And all of you out there, you know, the Chronicle Shul is very small. Sometimes they say that it's sold out. Come anyway. Yeah. If you want, night 7.30 at the Chronicle Shul. Um, I've had um, a weekend of peace. For some reason, I had a very... A very uplifting and deep Shabbos, and I'm, I'm hoping that I can offer something really um, really worthwhile. Great. We're going to be ending up uh, by playing now Return Again from your new album coming out very soon. Amazing. Thank you. So You're welcome. Love. Thank you. Thank this you. is Shemakalbach here on JM Sunday, and here is Return Again from the upcoming album Soul Daughter right here on JM Sunday.
Shema Kalbach with a return again from her upcoming album due out sometime before Hanukkah. Soul Daughter is the name of that album, and we thank her so much for joining us this morning here on JM Sunday on uh, her father's yard site, talking about her father and his legacy and her music and so many other things, and thank you so much. I uh, just posted a picture on Facebook. I think Nachum is going to uh, shoot me for that one, so I better not answer my phone for a while. Uh, but... Uh, I want to play something, and I want to thank Mark Zamek for getting me this uh, this little segment. Uh, hopefully, it'll be uh, it'll be easy enough to hear. Shlomo Kabach uh, performed, if you will, at uh, Nachman Stacey's wedding a couple of years back, and uh, uh, we just kind of threw a microphone in front of him and asked him to say a few words, and he told a story. So uh, this is. Uh, this is it. I will try to get this on. It's about two minutes or so, and hopefully it'll be clear enough. So here is Shlomo Kabach speaking at uh, speaking to us at Nachma's wedding. I think a good succession story. The story is that uh, everybody knows that Rabbi Rimenova was the shamus of Rabbi Rimenova, but he was like really his highest cousin. So, uh, uh, so later on he really became a rabbi. But right now we're talking when he was still. His cabin. So every morning he would wake up in the morning and he would sweep the floors in the shoe. So when he got made, the next morning he woke up early and went also to sweep the floor. So he had a lot of people who didn't like him so much. So someone comes to Ramendra Rimenov and says, You know, your host of Parashat is really crazy. He got made last night and this morning he wakes up and goes back to sweep the floors. He says, I, thank God. You know, when he sweeps the floor in the shul, he paves the way for all the prayers of Israel to go up to heaven. So I want you to know, I have a feeling when he turns on the radio every morning, his mom is getting all the Eden to turn their hearts to Yerushalayim and all the Eden to think of God and of Yiddishkeit. And uh, I'm sure that his schools in heaven is unbelievable. And if you had the privilege of uh, filling in for him on his Shabbat days, so the greatest thing you can do. And I can only tell all the people, all the listeners, that um, I'm glad there is one yid like Abnokum in the world who is keeping the fire burning. Master, thank you so much. Oh, 
Bashem, Ezram, Ezram, Meginam, Ho, Israel, Israel, Betach Bashem, Ezram, Ezram, Meginam, Ho, Israel, 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 is how we are going to close this special edition of a JM Sunday on the stream NachumSiegel.com JMTheM.org Music continues all day long here on the stream Nachum will be back tomorrow morning on JM and the AM 91.1 and on the stream JMTheM.org My thanks to our many guests this morning including uh, including Natan Ophir, Shia Mendlowitz, Shlomo Katz, Rabbi Naftali Sidrin, Neshama Kalbach, and my thanks to Nachum Siegel and Mark Zamek, Miriam El Wallach, ZK and Avrami, who had a great show last night, for all your help. It's Weingast with you on JM Sunday. We'll see you back here next week, nine, 7 o'clock in the morning on Sunday.